chapter 8, Acts chapter 8. I want to remind you as you're turning in your Bibles to Acts 8 that we are having a congregational meeting right after service today. If you, uh, any, everyone is welcome to be here, to stay. It's going to be about a 45-minute event. <laughs> um, you can hear just some reports from our uh some of our committees, our elders, um, we will talk. We will need to pass next year's budget. So it is a bit of business meeting, but also an envisioning time, and everyone is welcome. But if you're a member, specifically a member at New Covenant, you've gone through the process of membership, we need you here for that because you actually get to vote on such things, okay? And um, it, we'll have some refreshments and things, you know, to make sure that you are fully caffeinated and, and all that, but it won't be too long. We'll make sure it's, uh, I think it's going to be a, a great meeting for us to just continue to be envisioned on what God's doing here, and so just stick around. It will, it will be about 45 minutes, and we'll do it about 10 minutes after service starts, we'll, we'll, or service ends, we'll start that meeting. Um, we're in this Awaken series. This is a series that churches all over uh, South Florida are going through together um, sharing the text that we're using. All the churches are preaching through this text. Um, churches that you've heard of, churches you have no idea of, but we're taking about two or three weeks and we're all uh, preaching through this as a kind of an act of solidarity in South Florida saying we want to be awakened for the Lord. We want to be awakened to the gospel. We want to be um, excited for mission. And you saw in the video, the video is there as a, as a reminder and encouragement for us that that our faith, if, if you have faith in Christ, if you have put your hope and trust in Jesus, that it, it, it's not just about you coming here on a Sunday morning and you know, feeling good about yourself and then walking out and just living however you want, but our, our faith is meant to be taken out into the world and, and active. It launches us into, into, into ministry, into action, and your, the jobs that you do are, are valuable and essential and uh, don't don't think that you know as professional pastor or whatever that you know whatever I am or whatever we are that work at the church are like the ones really doing ministry. No, no, you're doing ministry. We're trying to help you connect the dots in your life so that you can see your faith living it out every single day in your in your vocation, and that it is a huge mission field for you. And so we want to be awakened to the purpose God has for us, and to be excited and mobilized. And so that's what we're doing. Over the next couple of weeks, we did started last week. We're going to be in it this week and then next week. And so today, it's uh, Acts chapter eight, a very special, <laughs> a very special. Sorry, I'm laughing. I left my glasses at my seat. I was uh, I was a little disappointed. Well, I don't know. I guess I was surprised, but also amused by how many people really got a kick out of the fact that I put my glasses on last week to read. Um, it's just happening more and more, and I don't want to draw attention to it every week. But here we are. So we're going to read, uh, this is an amazing story, like a story that absolutely, at first glance, maybe we don't fully understand the gravity and the weight of what this story is about, but I'm hoping to unpack that for you today so that we can really be uh, changed by, by, by this encounter of two men in Scripture. So... Uh, I'm going to have you stay seated. It's a bit of a longer passage, so you can just listen, follow along in your Bibles. Scriptures will be on the screen. This is what uh, the Word of the Lord says in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south 
to, uh, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, was, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb, before its shearer it is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, use this word to change us, to, 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 to move us, to shape us, to transform us, to make us whole. We look to you for these things, God, and only you can do it. And we pray in Jesus' name these things. Amen. 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 Well, this is a story about power and Sadly, there's another story about power that happened just a week ago. Maybe not power as you think of it, but I, I, I see it as a story of power. See, there was a, a, a tragic event that unfolded about a week ago at a, um, uh, at a concert, a music festival in the Houston, Texas area called World. And maybe you read about it, you heard about it, maybe you've heard bits and pieces about it. Maybe you heard nothing about it at all. But there was, there was this concert, and it's like a festival style, and they had over 50,000, over 50,000 people in attendance. And you could see what some of the crowd looked like. All, no seats, just all mushed together. I think we have another one closer up. So this was to see an artist. Um, his name is Travis Scott, and... Uh, you know, just unbelievable how many people were, were at this concert. And what happened was as the event was starting to, to, you know, they had opening acts. And as Travis Scott was about to come on, there was a countdown happening. And you hear some testimonies of people uh, of how the crowd just started surging forward. 50,000 people surging forward toward the front and just crushing each other. And as he got on stage, the crowd surged even more. And with that many people, I mean, there's just not much you can do if you're in the middle of the event. And so it just turned into a horrible night. Nine people died. Hundreds were injured. 
um, ages of the people dead ranged from a nine-year-old boy to, or 14-year-old to 27, a nine-year-old is in, in critical condition in the hospital. Um, just devastating for so many people. And those who survived the night talk about just the, the, the power of the crowd and how they just were powerless to do anything. And they're, they're chanting, they're saying, stop the show, stop the show. I mean, thousands of people chanting this, like just trying to get help from somewhere just to stop this from happening, and, and it looks like, oh, this was so much fun, and, and, but this was a horrible event. It turned into one of the most deadly concerts in U.S. history. Power impacts us. We're all impacted by powerful things. Some things are big. That are powerful, like storms, oceans, wind, concert, you know, astro world. You had just thousands of people together. So some things are powerful that aren't so big, right? I mean, how many of us, when we see a spider, it's got a lot of power over us, moves us to action, yeah? A roach, little virus, powerful. See, they, they impact us, right? And powerful things can, can move us to, to, to good results. It can move us to bad results. We have an illustration here of how the power of the mob can, can move things to a deadly conclusion, to absolute devastation. And there's this funny thing about us as humans. You know, we, we like to be connected to powerful things. We like to be connected to power as humans, Maybe not the small little things like spiders, but, you know, when someone has power they, and, and they, they take an interest in us, we, we, we kind of like that. We, we pull up next to them. If, you know, the, the, Travis Scott is a, as an artist, and he, you know, he's built his brand on inciting the crowd to, to action and to activity and to, to doing not, you know, obviously I don't think he wanted that, depending on what you read or what you've heard, but I, I, I don't think that ultimately that's his goal, but... You know, he's been in trouble before for inciting crowds to dangerous places, and now it's hit its ultimate conclusion. And when we connect ourselves to the wrong power, well, devastation happens. And the question we have to ask ourselves always is what, what power do we want to be connected to? What source do we want to be known for, for associating with, for giving our attention to, giving our lives to? Who do we want to rub up against as the powerful one to give us a sense of worth and identity and value? See, this is a story in Scripture that we read today of power, unique power. And God, it's, it's his power, right? And, and he wants us to, to understand that his power is the only place for us to go. It's the only hope that we have, the only source that's going to lead to life. And so we need an awakening to that because we are constantly being drawn to the wrong places, the wrong sources of power to, to give us the things that we, we long for so much in our lives and our hearts. You know, the Travis Scott crowd, you know, his fans are called ragers. Because that's just what 
you know, that's the brand. It's like we want to we wanna be together. We want to go, you know, go nuts and rage and do all that. And look, I, I was at concerts as, you know, a young man, and I used to love going in mosh pits and, and getting crazy in these shows and things like that. And they're saying now, though, what, what you experience at that show is unlike anything anyone has ever experienced in a concert setting. And I do think there are some spiritual, for sure, some spiritual things at work in, in it. If you, you know, start looking at images and things that there, it's, it's clearly there is, a, there is a dysfunction of power and the source of power that's leading to deadly things. See, and we need to be awakened to the, the, the bad power that's out there and also to the fact that God is the source the source of power that, that changes us, that leads us to life. And this story shows us, this Bible story shows us so much about the impact of God's power. And so I want to show you, I want to help us today unpack this of how being awakened to God's power brings life to you and to the world around you. To stop looking for our sources of power in in. in institutions and structures that are outside of the, the, the scope of what God is wanting. And that's not just, you know, a concert. That's just an easy illustration. But we could look to political parties. We could look to government. We could look to even family at times to be a, an ultimate source that will not give us or bring to us the things that we ultimately need. Being awakened to God's power brings life to us and to the world around us. How does it do that? It, just like in that concert, you know, there was this anticipation of movement and everybody started moving together and they're surging forward, leads to death, leads to horrible things. But there is a place where God's power in us launches us forward, surges us, it creates a surge so that we can bring power to the world around us, his power, not our power, that leads to life and good things, not to death and destruction. And so that's just how we're going to frame this today as we look through this passage, that God's power, it, 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 we need to be awakened to it. And when we are, it launches us into some things, to good things, to life, to wholeness. First thing we see is that it launches us into extraordinary action. This is an extraordinary passage. It's extraordinary. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. See, when we are awakened to God's power, things happen. And look, you might be in here as a Christian that's new, or you've been a Christian a while, or maybe you've been a Christian for a long, 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 long time. Maybe you are not a Christian, and we are so glad you're here. And I hope that by the end of today, you would see God's power as the one that can give you life and bring life to everything around you. See, when we're awakened to God's power, it launches us into action. God, it, it, this is, you know, we're, we're going to unfold this as we go. But we see right in the beginning, the angel of the Lord came to Philip and said what? He said, rise and go. That was it. Rise and go. Go to a place. It's a desert place. I'm going to show you kind of where to go. But look, get up and go. Now, it helps us to understand who Philip is, right? Who's this Philip? You know, there's a few Philips we see in Scripture, but this Philip is 
one of the disciples of Jesus. He's an apostle now that is going out and telling the world about the good news of Jesus Christ, right? And so he, he lived with Jesus. He had lots of opportunity to spend time with Jesus, to see Jesus's power, to experience all that Jesus did while on earth. Now he's going out and telling everyone about that power, about the gospel. And so we come to this story, this encounter, and, and as I said, it is, it's, it's a wild story. One of the wildest that we see in the New Testament. But, but Philip was so changed by who Christ was in, in, in his life when he, I mean, Christ came to Philip at one point when he first met him and said, hey, come on, let's go. And immediately, Philip was changed by that moment and followed Christ and lived with him until the end. And now he, he hears, an, like an angel of the Lord appears to him. As, you know, this is God talking, and he says, hey, I'm, I'm calling you again. Rise and go. Let's go. And so all that experience of, of, of God's power in his life has now taken him to this moment where he's experiencing God's power again when he's hearing the words, rise and go. And what does he do? He goes. He goes. See, when we experience the power of God, when we see who God is, when we trust in God's power working in us, it, it launches us, it pushes us to take those first steps of action, rise and go. He empowers us to take those first steps. And look, we know first steps are always the hardest steps. Right? First steps are the hardest steps. Especially when it's, a, you know, first steps towards something that's right. <laughs> and Because right things are usually hard things. Right? It's not easy to take a first step towards sin or you know it's like kids start lying you know right away in their life and they 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 weren't like man I don't know if I should do this that's like yeah did you do that nope okay I saw you do that nope wasn't me like, they don't need that. But taking first steps to, like, tell the truth, that's a hard thing. Taking first steps, we all know, right, when we want to go on a diet, man, those first steps, it's all easy to talk about. Like, oh, man, next week, next week, next week, I got this. Monday's coming. Let's go. Monday comes. You're like, oh, <laughs> nah, next week. <laughs> nah, this week I got a thing to do. I got a paper to write. I, I'm, you know, just don't feel great. First steps are always the hardest. Starting that exercise program. You're like, New Year 2022 is coming. You're going to put 2021 behind, man. This is going to be the year of fitness and diet, and I'm going to look great, feel great. First steps towards anything of value is hard. God gives us the power to take those first steps to do the things that he wants us to do. And what he wants us to do is, is get out off of our comfortable 
existences, our comfortable couches, and look for opportunities to serve, to, to get out of the mindset that I just need to accumulate and give everything, uh, get everything around me and suck the life out of everything that comes my way first in order to take those steps of serving. Like, well, when I have more time, when I have more money, when I have more children, when, I, when the children are gone, when I'm, you know, married, when I'm no longer married, when I, right? We just, we, we want there to be just this moment when all the stars line up. He wants us to look for opportunities to serve right now, right where we're at. And look, I know we want it to be very clear. Rise and go to this college. Rise and go to this, you know, marry this person. Rise and go to take this job. We would love it. We'd love it if God is very clear and simple. And God just, I want, you know, rise and go and make sure everything lines up perfectly and everything is easy and simple so that I know it's you. There's just no evidence of that in Scripture. And we have, to, we have to realize that God is calling us to do things at times where he's just saying rise and go without telling us exactly where or what it's going to look like or how it's going to feel. Usually he just says rise and go. And we go, go where? And he says, just go. But when we have connected to his power, when we have experienced who Christ is, we go. As I was preparing this, I was thinking about what brought me to here, to this stage right now, to you, to be talking to you. A few years ago, we believe, you know, it wasn't the audible voice of the Lord, but we really believe God was speaking to my wife and I separately, independently, saying, it's time. We had been in a comfortable church for, we got married there. We had all our kids there. We served there. I was on, we both were on staff there at times. I was on staff full-time for 14 years. We were comfortable. We were, and we just felt strongly. God said, rise and go. And... It wasn't a, an immediate, you know, out into the wilderness and, you know, just we didn't run into any Ethiopian eunuchs on chariots. But, like, we, we started taking steps, and I immediately had conversations with our team there, and it was a process of rising and going. And I'm telling you, it was a, a, a year, more than a year, of walking in uncertainty of where we were going and where we were going to end up, and a lot of rejection my wife was diagnosed with cancer during that time. I was out of a job. I, I lost my mom. Like, there was not this overwhelming evidence, experiential evidence happening in life to be like, yeah, this is it. This is exactly where God wants you. No, it was like the world was crumbling down around us. And we just still felt stronger. God was saying, I, I got you. You know how we got to that point is because we had experienced God's power in our lives at different points where he was, he carried us through. We, we, we were connected to his power, not perfectly, but imperfectly. And he used this, this relationship that we had built with him to say, look, now it's time. It's, this is going to be really uncomfortable, but it's time to go. And nope, not everything lined up perfectly. There wasn't this you know, writing in the stars, you're going to end up at New Covenant Church, and this is, this is 
Nope, but we, we're coming up now in February. It'll be three years since I started here, and it's, it's, it's a blur. You know, I look back and just go, wow, God, you, you are sometimes crazy. You drive me crazy sometimes, Lord. It would have been a lot easier if we did things differently. It's just not how it happens. So if you're just waiting for the clear signs and the skies to open up and for everything to just feel so good and peaceful as you're, as you're living this life, don't expect that. Connect yourself to the one, to the power source. That will give you life and sustain you through the rising and going even when you don't know where you're going. Just go and he'll show you. Awaken to his power will launch you into that kind of extraordinary action. It also launches us into extraordinary love. And this is where we get to start seeing the, the, uh, the amazing nature of this passage. See, the, <laughs> Philip was led down into some extraordinary action, and it led him to meet this extraordinary man. And, uh, you know, as we talk about this man, this, this unique character, uh, he's called a... Uh, he, he's, he's, he's described based on his, where he's from, his location. He's from Ethiopia. He is described as a, a high-ranking official in the court of the queen of Ethiopia. He's also described as a eunuch. So we have this, this African man, right? And it's not quite Ethiopia as we know Ethiopia now, but it, it, it is uh, the Upper Nile region and he is a eunuch, and it's exactly, if you don't know what that word means, it's, it, it means he was emasculated, he was castrated. And this was not uncommon when you were so connected to, royal, to royalty in certain kingdoms. If you were going to have a trusted position, a high-ranking position, you were going to be around the, the, the royal family and um, you know, precious people that they wanted to make sure you weren't going to cause specific kinds of trouble. And so... They would emasculate you, and that was a choice you made to be in that position. It's a high price to pay to, to, to be something in a society. And so, you know, we, we have to take notice, and this is, this is meant to draw a comparison, how different these two men are. You have Philip, who is a Jewish man. He would have been middle class, you know, of sorts, and, you know, he's out there trying to just tell people about the gospel. Then you have this other man, this upper class royal court guy. He is radically different in so many ways. He is racially different. He's from Ethiopia. His skin color would have been darker than, than, than Philip's. Um, most likely, I mean, they all would have had dark skin at the time, but he, you know, is from, from an African and, like, Egyptian area. Uh, the geography difference, this would have been considered, like, the outermost part of the world to Philip. So people that are from way, way out, they, you just call them barbarians. That, that would typically be the case and how you would uh, classify someone that, that came from so far away, such a foreigner. And he was sexually altered. He was a eunuch. This could not have been two different guys in having an encounter. And, and Jewish men would not normally talk to, you know, regular, just foreigners, not this unusual type of foreigner. There was, uh, in some of Jewish writings, they would talk about how everyday Jewish men would wake up in their prayers. They would say their morning prayers. And, and part of their morning prayer, at the beginning of their morning prayer, would be, God, I thank you that, that you didn't make me a woman, a slave, or a Gentile. 
Yeah, that's not good. Don't pray that. And it wasn't all like terrible and, and malicious. It just was part of certain tradition. So, I mean, Jewish men were just told not to, not to associate with people who were so different than them, foreigners, because it would defile them. And so we have a racially different, sexually altered barbarian encountering this Jewish man on the path to tell the world about Jesus. And so God put these two on a collision course, like so miraculously, right? The angel of the Lord comes, tells him to go. Then, you know, he doesn't tell him what's going to happen. Philip gets there. He's like, hey, that's the guy. That's who I want you to go deal with, right? He goes, takes him. They have this encounter. <laughs> you know, he's baptized. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God takes Philip. We, we've seen, we see this once in the Bible. So I made it through our baptism. I wasn't transported out after Nico was baptized. So, you know, it's not something that happens regularly, but the Holy Spirit was just all over this. Somehow, some way transports Philip out of, to it, to another region. And we see this, I mean, this is miraculous. It's extraordinary. Philip knows that this African man, this, this foreigner, this Gentile needed the love of God. He needed God's love and he needed his power. And so he goes where God sends him and he hears a man reading in his chariot. And look what it says. It says, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. Right? I mean, the chariot's moving. He's not waving him down like, stop. He's like, hey, <laughs> don't mind me, sir. Um, can I help you? Can I help you with what you're reading? I heard. It's bizarre. God had a plan for this. Jewish men just, they didn't run. Didn't. It was seen as beneath you. It was seen as, like, so when you hear things like the prodigal son and, like, the stories where the father is running towards the, this, like, that did not happen. So these stories are meant to highlight for us just the extraordinary nature of God's power, his love, his presence. See, th this teaches us that the gospel belongs to every nation. The gospel belongs to every nation. The gospel doesn't belong to one nation or, or people group or, or nationality or ethnicity. There's no room in the gospel. There's no room in following Christ for, for racial prejudice, for bigotry, for racism, for, for socioeconomic or, or gender or any of those areas of bigotry. Every culture tends to have their own religion. They're, they develop their own religion. All major religions, except for Christianity, have the majority of its population still kind of where it started, except for Christianity. Do you hear what I said? Like most, most world religions still have the majority of their people near the epicenter of where it began, except for Christianity. Let me tell you a little, some statistics. So, for example, 96% of Muslims live in the Middle East, Africa, South Asia, kind of where it all began. 88% of Buddhists live in East Asia. 98% of Hindus live in, in Asia, India area. You know, Christianity, 25% are living in Central and South America. 22% in Africa. 15% in Asia, and that's, that's climbing. 12% in North America and 20-ish in Europe. 
You see, we, we have the most culturally diverse and inclusive religion in all the world that has ever existed. It's more than any other religion. And look, as a church, we, we, we desire that. We long for that. We are intentionally pursuing that. We want to see every age represented. We want to see every color represented, every ethnicity, every nationality, as much as we can, can, can accommodate and to reflect the city in which we live. And so, yeah, we... We take some time to, to sing songs and in, in, in verses in other languages to, to just show that th- this, is, this is a bigger world out there that contains Christianity than just our little sphere here in Pompano Beach in South Florida. Christianity does not belong to one culture. Christianity should not take you and remake you into some other culture. Christianity, you should be able to take your culture into the faith of Christianity and it should help you be renewed in your culture. Now, in our services, we can only do so much. <laughs> you know, there's only, there's only so much we can do and we are going to be predominantly, you know, there's, there's always going to be a majority of, I mean, we're going to speak English for the most part. You're going to hear things taught in English. But, but we, we want to see it translated in other languages. We want to see us, us participating and really not just giving words to like, oh, we're diverse and we're multicultural. No, no, no. We want this to be a part of who we are. And we want you to be excited about that and to see God's glory in that. So look, if you're African, you're Asian, European, American, Caribbean, you know, from wherever on this earth, you can, you can hold that culture and see Christ renewing you in that. And so this just breaks through all boundaries. It breaks through cultural divides. We're going to, in the new year, we're going to preach through the book of Ephesians, and we're just going to focus in on God's call for us to be one and unified in the midst of diversity. It is it is. It's essential. And we can still love the countries that we're from or the country that we live in and, and rally underneath the, the banner of Christ. And, and just like Philip is running alongside, reaching out to this, <laughs> this total stranger who in, in every respect would have been seen as a foreigner, an outcast, an exile, and he's like, I love you, man. Let me help you. Let me talk to you. Let me hear your story. Let me explain to you about how Jesus renews you. And that's the, that's the last point. That awakened power launches us into extraordinary faith. Not just love, but love in action that's, that's rooted in a faith and a belief that God is doing something unique. Look, we need to believe God to do the impossible, the miraculous. That's what this story is. It is a miracle. Okay, the, the, the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch, and you know, using these terminologies because this is what the Bible tells us. We don't know his name, but boy, we know a lot about him because it says he came to Jerusalem to worship. He traveled a thousand or more miles in a day, I mean, I don't want to travel a thousand miles now. All the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, why? Look, he had everything. He was the, he was the 
the secretary of the treasury of his country, the CFO. He was, he was the top of all the nation's finances. He was at a privileged, high position, power, success. He had everything. But in order to have everything, he made a huge sacrifice to becoming a eunuch. It was a huge sacrifice because in that day, you didn't have anything if you didn't have kids. Like, you didn't have a future. You didn't have a legacy to pass on. And, of course, he couldn't have kids. He made the ultimate sacrifice to have that kind of power in a culture that was so family-dominated. So why? Why take this thousand-mile journey? Something was missing in his life. He needed, he, there, nothing was filling his greatest need. And so then, then this is what would have happened. He would have traveled all this way. He's, he's tired. He's exhausted. He would have gotten to the temple. And you know what would have happened? They would have said, you can't come in. He was a eunuch. Eunuchs were seen as unclean. They, were, they would not have allowed a eunuch in. And you're like, well, how'd they know? They would have known. You could tell you've been a eunuch for a long time. I mean, it, it changes you. Like, they, they would have known. They, and we don't, look, we don't know this explicitly from the text, but we do know from Jewish tradition and Jewish law that the eunuch was unclean. And there were lots of people who were deemed unclean who were not allowed in the temple. But a eunuch for sure would not have been allowed in the temple. And so he, he, he would have been turned away once he got to the temple. Thousand-mile journey. All for nothing all to be left on the outside. Just think of the disappointment. Think about how you feel when you're you know, driving to a restaurant and it's closed when you get there. So why is he reading through Isaiah? Why is he reading out loud? See, he's in, we know where he is. He's in Isaiah 53. It's a, it's a very special part in the 40s and 50s of Isaiah. It's, the, it's this part called the servant song. And it's this, it's this song, it's this poetry, it's prophecy about a servant, the Christ who is going to come. And we see the passage he's reading here in our, in our scripture, but also around that scripture in Isaiah 56, just a few pages after that, he would, he would have come to this in Isaiah 56, verses 3 through 5. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from, my, from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I'm a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. This is the area that... that, that, that this man is reading and who just was turned away, who just was cut off, who is literally cut off from a legacy of future and hope. And imagine him reading this. He, he, I mean, asking the question, well, what is this? What is, who is this person? What is this, what is this name? How can this happen? I, I can't even get in to worship. How am I going to, as a eunuch, how am I going to have generations that are better than sons and daughters? How am I going to have an everlasting name? And so he asks Philip, what's, what's happening in these texts? I don't, I don't get it. I need to know. 
And he reads like a sheep led to the slaughter. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his descendants, his generation? He's reading about someone volunteering, someone volunteering to be slaughtered, someone volunteering to be cut off. And he just is like, who is this? And there's Philip running alongside. He's reading this out loud. Philip comes running along, jogging, pops up in his window. Hey, you need some help? I mean, it's hysterical. You need some help understanding what you're reading? He's like, yeah. Yeah, is he talking about himself or someone else? Because if he's talking about someone else, there's hope. And so then what does it say in verse 35? Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Like, yep, this is someone else. This is someone else. He's telling, he, he's, he's talking about someone else. And yes, you just got cut off from entering the temple to worship. But listen, Jesus came to do something else, to do something very different, to do something unique. He became a leper for the lepers. He became like a eunuch for the eunuchs. He became cut off and marginalized and, and, and destroyed so that we could all have life. And it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you have, what, what has happened to you in your life, in your circumstances. If you put your hope and your faith into Christ, that is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is what Philip read to him. And he says, we're, the good news is that, look, we're all like eunuchs, cut off, unclean without intervention from the one who became unclean so that we could be cleansed. The one who was, who was cast out so that we could be welcomed in. That's Jesus, and he is for you, my friends. If you don't know him, if you have never found that life and hope in Christ today, hear and see Philip running next to your chariot saying, do you need a savior? And then what does that do for us? I'm asking the team to come on up. What does that do for us that already know him? It mobilizes us to say, look, God, you have called me into action. You've called me into a crazy kind of love and a crazy kind of faith that, that believes you for miracles, that even the hardest person that would be cast off and unclean to, 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 in our eyes that has no hope of ever finding salvation, you do that for them. You save them. You come to them. And you cleanse them. We can't cleanse ourselves, but you now have called us to be agents in the world, to be Phillips running around looking for a cherry, being like, hey, do you need help? Do you need, can I pray for you? Do you need to know something about this, the one who can, can cure all your ailments, all your diseases, all your failures? And the eunuch is converted because what does he say? He says, hey, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Like, we all wish this was as, you know, we just tell people about, hey, you know about Jesus? Hey, there's some water. Baptism was a sign that he was given his life to Christ, that everything he was denied a few moments earlier was renewed with new life in Christ. And this is what he does for you. This is what he does for me. And we, in our efforts to try to clean ourselves and make ourselves right and just get it done, does not work. Only Christ can come and save us and heal us. 
And so here's, here's the challenge for you, and here's the question. A couple of questions I just, as we close, want to ask you. As we see this, as, as, as God's power impacts us, as we see in this story, and as it's impacted you, if you've already claimed Christ and he has saved you, then you have already experienced a unique measure of God's power in your life. If you have encountered his power, are you ready to be launched into uncomfortable action, love, and faith? So let me just ask you, are you available? Are you available? When God comes and says, rise and go, are you available? Or is your schedule just too booked and too locked in to ever be ready to do something (laughs) different? Are you available? Are you listening? Are you listening for the voice? That says rise and go. Some of you, God has been saying it. Not from here. Don't, go, don't, don't rise and go from here. No, but God's been calling you to something. To rise and go. And you're just fighting back. You're, you got both hands up. You're saying, nah, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Just a little more, just a little, just. Are you listening? Are you available? And are you ready? It's not comfortable to go obey Christ, to go live for him, but it is never boring and it is always full of life. Look, we can choose to connect ourselves to the power that we looked at at Astroworld. You know, there's a mob mentality. There's everybody's there. Everybody's doing it. We're just going to surge together and we're going to die. Or we connect ourselves to the one who, who, who brings life where there was death. He resurrects the dead. He is life. Connect your life to his, to his power. Let's stand together. Father, you are good. You are worth all, all things, all the, the, the discomforts of life, all the troubles that we experience in this world. You are worth it because you are the one who has life. And I pray, just as you tell us, you are the way, the truth, and the life, that there is no other path to life, to truth, that we would be convicted of that and we would be stirred up in our hearts to not just settle for just sitting around and watching the world go by and just complaining and, and writing our angry posts and, and shooting our angry looks and, and shouting our, our angry screams at those we disagree with and those that we just want to see change when you are calling us to live so extraordinarily different than what we see around. And so God, launch us into into your action, your love, and your faith. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's, pre- let's sing. By your spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. And in your name, I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. By your spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat.
resurrecting me by your spirit I will rise come on church this is our story any of us that have experienced disappointments of life sin, death is we lean on the resurrection power of Jesus I come alive to declare your victory the The resurrected King is resurrecting me. Oh, you're resurrecting me, oh God. Oh, the two were soldiers watched in vain. Was borrowed for three days his body there would not remain our God has robbed the grave our God has robbed the God, we look to you. We know that you are our strength, our refuge, our fortress. God, we look to you and we know that you will make us radiant. Thank you so much, Lord, in your name. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Church, it is good for us to be together. Thank you for being here. If you need anything from us, please fill out a Connect card. We want to know. We want to reach out to you. We want to help in any ways that we can. We are going to have our congregational meeting in seven minutes, okay? So you can, we'll raise the lights. Uh, you can go ahead, use the restroom. You can grab a quick cup of coffee, whatever you want. Head back in here. Um, if you're not sticking around with us, we love you. We hope to see you next week. And for everyone else, go ahead and transition in the next now six minutes, okay? I've taken one of your minutes, so <laughs> go ahead. We love you. Have a great rest of your Lord's Day.